Oh, goodness gracious, we're live. Failure to stop. Breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. All tickets half price. You'll pay for the entire seat, but you'll only need the edge. We got a lot to break down today. This is going to be like an old school OG failure to stop style breakdown. I got John, Jonathan Bates from uh, a sports show and our true crime show. He's on here with us breaking down the Leonard Cure killing. If you don't remember, Leonard Cure was the man who was wrongfully imprisoned for 16 years in Florida and then was subsequently shot uh, a few months later on a traffic stop in Georgia. And uh, But now it's relevant. It's back in the news again because Ben Crump is going after the Sheriff's Department for, I think, $16 million. We're going to go through it all right here on the Failure to Stop Breakdown. Stay tuned. Let's go. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. I know. I know that uh, StreamYard does not like it when I start talking over the intro, but I do it every day anyway. Uh, John Bates is with me today. He's been an OG listener from day one, back from the Mike the Cop days, and uh, back before the Mike the Cop days, really. Yeah. When we were uh, just strictly, Mike and I were drinking bros, and then Mike the Cop, and then now it's all in my, and all in my hands. And uh, he said, I, I, Tyler wasn't able to be here today. And uh, John said, I want to fill in on a breakdown. I've never done it. And I was like, what? Because he's been working for us now for uh, how long? A year? Over a year? Yeah, it's almost a year. I mean, I kind of came on gradually. Before Mike left, I was kind of doing things in the background. And then once he was once he was gone for sure, then I was I was all in. It was it was still Christmas time and we didn't have much going on. But I mean, we, we were still doing media stuff and getting ready for the new branding and all that. So it's been about a year. Yeah, it's been about a year. And then before that, you were helping me illustrate my book and everything, which uh, which there'll be big news. I think the big news will come out the second week of January or the second week of February. I know that sucks, um, but we did sign a very large book deal, uh, but they don't want us to make it public yet on what the book deal is and who it is from and what major publishing house it's with until they have the landing site, the landing page and all the things done. And I heard from my agent that uh, it's either going to be the second week of January or the second week of february so we'll see but more to come on that but point being john illustrated a lot of the book and the cool thing about it is when we were going through all the stuff with the, the publishing house uh, one of the first things they said was normally we would change all of the art and on this one we're going to keep all of the art so congratulations john first try first time go awesome you did it guys we got some people in the live chat we got joe russo sarah kelch michael Hendricks, will k dreams russell says good morning everyone tactical dude elijah i don't know that sounds i don't know is that muslim e dot lihach I, hmm, no I don't know. Um, and I have to say that because we've had some people from uh, Sweden join us in these chats. So uh, I, I'm I'm an expert at butchering them. Right now we are going through a, a very intense, I don't want to say the word shadow ban. I've always hated shadow ban. It sounds whiny and gripey. Um, but we knew we were going to get one before we posted the Night Shift TSI King Bow video. We kind of said, let's hold off on that. 
it's going to crush us because he said a lot of key words that we know the algorithm hates. Um, and it and, and it was bad. But then we had a senator, uh, a, a person running for Senator Jonathan Emord on uh, who spoke out against um, a name that sounds like Moros and Jorge, Jorge Moros. Very clever. Jorge, Jorge Maris. And, um, and then we, not only do we see a 64% reduction in the next three videos, but what else we saw was that his video specifically, they started taking away listens. I mean, not listens uh, views on YouTube. Um, pod, podcast doesn't mess with us at all. And I thank God that's where 99% of you guys are listening from, but it was really funny because, uh, dead like our other producer and called me just almost in a panic and he said we hit 200 and it dropped us back to 188 and i said i know i was like did you screenshot it at 200 and he's like no but he's like before i went to bed it was at 200 and i was like before i went to bed it was like 198 so I, I it makes sense and then we woke up the next morning and it was down to 188 so not only is youtube and maybe you know listen maybe that's just something i don't know maybe maybe there were some bot viewers on youtube is that a thing john are there bot viewers on youtube uh, no because i've never seen bots in the chats or anything like that and, and, and if they're reducing the number i mean when it's so small why would youtube pay attention to the difference between 188 and 200 it's one thing if you've got bots and it's it's punching up you know viewership to fifteen thousand or twenty thousand, but why bother? I mean, it's it's not that. What What's really also happening is like this morning, I get up with less than an hour before the show. I look at my phone. I got no notification that failure to stop is even on today. And I, I have always gotten those that like an hour beforehand, like they remind you that the show's on so you can pull over your car or start ignoring your family just so you can watch the show. And I didn't get any of that stuff, you know? You know, I, we used to be on the Mike, the cop channel before we started this. And then the, because we were pro law enforcement and a little bit conservative during the election season, they demonetized the entire channel, which lost Mike, the cop somewhere between, I don't know, like 15 grand probably, um, you know, in the, in the, the 60 days or whatever that, um, that they, that they demonetized this page. And so it wasn't until almost a year after that, that we started this YouTube channel, which has only been about, I don't know, 16, 17 months ago. And then we really didn't start kind of taking this over until February. So it hasn't even been 10 months since we've really been working on this channel, but we've got it up to 8,000, uh, almost, what are we at? 7.93 thousand close. followers. Very close to 8,000. Yeah, we'd love to get it there, though. We'd love, we'd love to, to get, get it, it there by the holiday. Love to get it there, but also there's this other thing called green YouTube, and it's not called that, but maybe you should go look for that. If you want, oh, it rhymes with Bumble? If you want notifications and you want to be all in on everything and you don't want to miss anything and you don't want, like, uh, that that guy whose name is also on the thing list of things we're not allowed to say, can you imagine being so powerful that people aren't allowed to speak your name on the internet without you hearing about it, first of all? But uh, go over to that green YouTube. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, notification over there. They're not, they don't care about trying to stop us. So, and we, we live stream over there at the exact same time. So it's the same thing. So if you just want to be able to get access to us and not have, uh, you not have, uh, you know, some kind of uh, secret uh, society that I'm also not allowed to say the name of, if you don't want them controlling what you watch and how you're informed and how you're entertained and what, you know, the truth is, particularly about cases like these, go over to Green YouTube and subscribe over there. 
But, uh, guys, uh, on audio, though, for the end of the year, we are crushing it. Um, we're almost to a million. We're almost to one million on audio. Uh, so thank you to all of our listeners out there. And I know maybe if you're tuning in the first time, you're like, just get to this case. We're going to get to the case. It's Friday. We do five shows a week. So, look, if you fast forward to the 15-minute mark, that's probably when we're going to actually start breaking this thing down. Um, but before we do so, I've got to give John a huge shout-out for the, the sports show yesterday. That was your second episode. The board show is doing very well. I really like it. The audio numbers uh, dictate that it's doing well. So congratulations to you guys for for taking it. I know you guys have some like real pro athletes that are going to start coming on for these call-ins. I really like the correspondent thing that you guys got going on. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to shake it up. We're trying to be different. We're trying to utilize all the assets we can. We know that sports is not for everybody, but here's the thing. I'm still a first responder. Jason Kiefer, he's a fire chief. You know, like I, I call him the first man to break the failure stop fireman barrier. We still have, we'll still talk first responder shit. We still kick back. We still have a good time. So even if like you're not like the world's biggest Patriots fan or whatever, you still can enjoy the show. You know, I, I've, I've often said before, you know, if you're incapacitated in the bathroom and you're waiting for your children to come home and find that you've fallen, this is a great show for sure that you could listen to. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, we try to make it for everybody though. We're not, we don't, we don't like break down like uh, plays and you know division standings and things like that. We try to. Make well, I thought it was interesting yesterday. You guys uh, broke down the, uh, the the child who dressed as a chief you know and did blackface or half blackface and and i thought all i mean i was locked in uh i hate sports for the most part um you would have to do sense yeah they don't they don't not really playing a sport uh no but like yesterday like our show was like the most political sports show ever made because at one point like we're we're discussing like how college football happens and who makes who makes college football playoffs and how it's just like a closed society of people that decide that. And I'm like comparing it to like the Supreme Court because I get sick of how the Supreme Court, you know, they're not elected and they get to decide major policy for our country for 50 years. And I'm like, this is like the only sports show that like references Roe v. Wade. Like we're we're we, we're 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 definitely still political uh, in, in terms of acknowledging the bullshit that goes on in this world, which is has always been what this show is about, because it's 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 about how politics affects things going on in the police world but wherever there's money that happens too right so college football nfl uh we'll we'll always call those organizations to the carpet for being corrupt and uh anything other than sportsman like so both of those organizations have those things for sure uh guys uh thank you uh, so much for tuning in the live chat is growing um they get those little emojis off to the side on your little chats hit those and get those things going and kind of give some life to the the whole youtube thing and again for you audio listeners which is like 99 percent of you guys i apologize it's just that we've always thought that like we we liked we have fun with the youtube the the, the youtube live because it is very engaging and, and it's a chance for us to engage with our fans and we also like our social media a lot and we engage with our fans a lot there you guys send us a lot of things um Please don't be offended, though, if we don't break down the case that you specifically send, because we probably get four or five cases per day. Um, and and, and I, I've had, I had a, a battle recently with one of the fans here. I, I don't think he was a fan. Um, I think he suffers from some some severe mental uh, issues and, and definitely could seek out some kind of therapy in some way or fashion. But he wanted me to look into his DUI case. And within like three days of not responding to him, uh, just 
you know, put a litany of messages and hatred and, and, and curses and, and calling us fake. And, and look, you know, a DUI case is a very hard case to look at. And it's not like, you know, I don't have five kids and five shows to manage here. I can't drop everything I'm doing because you felt like you were wronged in a DUI. Um, we you're, you know, unfortunately for you, it's the biggest deal in the world, but for the rest of society, we don't really care. You know, that's just kind of your problem. We're it's also, a DUI. Now if you're incarcerated for murder unjust, I can get our fans around something like that and then I can spend my time on it. But your DUI is just not really what I. This is not a platform for us to avenge anyone. That's the thing. It's like (laughs) nobody involved in the Leonard Cure case reached out to us and said, hey, make sure you talk about this. It's like we we looked into this and we decided what we saw was unfair. And we, we looked at it and we saw like what's worth talking about from Eric as a police officer who's been in similar situations to this before what can we break down use for to inform and educate people but it's like whatever happens to this guy it's not going to depend on us we're not here to vindicate or condemn him really because there's a court of law that's going to do that but uh, what we do appreciate the messages and and please feel free to send us whatever the funny memes all the things that you send us the questions I hope that I respond to them adequately and accurately um and and we really really appreciate it. Plus, the FTS Wolfpack private group in Facebook is is crushing it. Um, if you guys ever want to make content for us um, and share it, we'll never ever stop you. We'll never stop you it's from cutting work. a reel, cutting a clip. We'll ne- you know use our logo. If you want to make yourself a failure stop coffee mug, just send me a message. I'll send you the freaking logos, baby. I don't need to make a dollar. If you wanted to go and sell failure to stop t-shirts, I wouldn't give a shit. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I would. I, I can't misrepresent the brand, but you know what I mean. You know, if you got your little print thing at home or something like that, I would. Let, um, I would let Faulkner or do it. I trust Foxy. Yeah, I actually. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go into to that right now i gotta wait closer to christmas for uh i you know we have so many things in the furnace right now and i promise we're going to jump to this this breakdown here in just about a second here uh and and i i I really do hate giving you guys like hey we're we're we might be doing this we might be doing that i'm just used to doing it because everything i say we're going to do we do it so in my brain it's a fact like it's going to happen. Uh, we might not have the exact date and time, but rest assured it's coming in February. There will be a meetup in Virginia and I have a meeting with Jonathan Emord's uh, team right after this show. And um, so we're putting together, it looks like it'll be a two daisy thing or maybe a one daisy. It'll be a two day thing. I think I'm, we're going to speak at one event and do a live podcast at the other. We haven't got all the details worked out. If you're in Virginia, if you're near Virginia and you want to go to a live podcast, put February on the books. As soon as I know, maybe after today's meeting or, or mid next week, I will have those dates. Um, there will be a February meetup also i'm thinking around april uh or march april time frame there will be another meetup in tampa florida with another uh, a couple of influencers one being conservative ant and another one being uh well i i don't want to say who that is yet because again that one hasn't been put in stone but i just want to give you guys fair warning that virginia and tampa are the next two meetups and there will probably be one in february 
and one in either March or April. So if you're just interested, you can keep that on your radar. Fulcanator in the chat. I mean, uh, Cupcakes and Cameo says, where in Virginia? I would say probably, I think the two places we have are either Fredericksburg or Virginia Beach. I'm leaning it towards going probably to Virginia Beach um, because they have a... Um, you know, we've had an end there with the Virginia Beach PD. So uh, I will know more about all of that, though, uh, for you guys next week. Just put it on your radar. Today's show brought to you by Manscaped, Ghostbed, and FactorMeals.com forward slash Wolfpack Santa, baby. Tis the season for a fresh cut. I got mine yesterday. It's finally here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have just launched their fifth-generation performance package to help you avoid another silent night in the bedroom this year. Take care of your special snowflake with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra and watch your South Pole shine like never before. Shine like a diamond get the best stocking stuffer of all by going to manscaped.com and using that promo code wolfpack for 20 percent plus free shipping miss claus well thank you and then you'll have some little else for the next christmas uh but right now manscaped is a one-stop shop for all your holiday needs perfect gift for everyone they have the performance package 5.0 ultra which includes loads of perfect stocking stuffers uh what could be better than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs always makes people laugh and crack up the weed whacker 2.0 it's got the nose chair the uh, the nose and hair trimmer uh you get the boxers which are really good um uh the shears the nails it's got that non-nicking technology that just goes right over everything you can just in the shower water resistant it's got a little led light the things are amazing get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code wolfpack at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off free shipping at manscaped.com use the promo code wolfpack say ho 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 to a well-groomed mistletoe that's a good ad read tansy very good they actually they sent me one and uh my hair body hair is so thick they had to send me a special one with a transmission on it with extra gears and <laughs> i could sh- downshift to get through certain points but man manscaped offers a, a very wonderful product it does uh we, we we like it so much like and hammer the uh the button and let's dive into this leonard cure case uh now John, this was a, a case that was, you know, on the top of your brain. What what led you to want to help me break this down today? Well, what, like what drew you to this case? I'll tell you. If you don't know what case to be talking about on failure to stop, you just need to look at Ben Crump's client list, <laughs> right? So Tamir Rice, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, right? These are like some of the biggest cases. This case, Leonard Keir is on that list now. You can almost follow around Ben Crump, this race-baiting lawyer who's getting rich off of the tragedies of families. And you could just, it's, it's, it's like free advertisement for what injustice is going on in the world that you should, you should talk about. So he's suing the, the, he's helping the family sue for millions of dollars for the sheriff's office and the sheriff's deputy involved in this case. And, uh, you know, when I sit there and I see the, the Ben Crump, press conference or whatever and everyone's standing so solemn and they're shaking their heads so much and it's just like so this so this these are the friends and families of this leonard Keir guy who behaves in uh, some pretty embarrassing ways you know but they don't care they don't care that that uh you know as you'll see leonard Keir is is on on the camera here uh attempting to murder a police officer and calling him a bitch and taking some delight in while he's doing it they don't care that that's the man 
uh, that they're rep they're representing. They're not ashamed of him because of that money. So when you see that, it's really hard to uh, hard to ignore it. So guys, uh, I, I watched some interviews, and, um, and and they go to retired officers. Um, they go to ex internal affairs officers to try to break these things down. And here's why I think our show is special, and why our breakdown is a little bit better than the rest. I've been in this game now for four years. And luckily, I came on through the Drinking Bros Network and through Mike the Cop. And now those are two companies, two entities that are not necessarily yes men by any stretch. So I've learned from the best that it doesn't matter what you say as long as that you believe in your heart what you're saying is correct and is true. And you shouldn't say something just because somebody else wants you to say it or because you might lose an advertiser or because you might lose fans. If you believe in it and you stand by it, you should say it. The problem with these guys that you're going, that you go on YouTube and you look up that are breaking down this case is they have a very, they have very good career backgrounds and they have a good resume, but what they are saying is exactly what the man wants them to say. They're not putting a whole lot of critical thinking behind it. They are just simply stating exactly. They, they know that if they say this one thing, the media will put them on and give them face time to sell their book, to sell their uh, public speaking engagements at these different law enforcement uh, programs and things like that. They're saying what wants to be heard, not what needs to be said from a street cop's perspective. And that's what failure to stop has always been about during its breakdown. This is from the street cops perspective, which is the only perspective because it's what it's who's involved. It's the street cop that's involved in this. And all these other guys that are speaking on behalf of the street cops aren't speaking on behalf of the street cops. They're speaking on behalf of their departments, on their book deals, on their speaking engagement deals. That's what they're speaking on here at failure to stop. We are just solely speaking on what we see as street cops every single day and what we what what this street cop was more likely than not going through at the time of this uh, incident. So that's important to note because if you hear my breakdown and then you go and listen to six other top breakdowns on YouTube, you're going to see where mine is vastly different. And that's what I'm trying to tell you is that mine is different because I am talking on behalf of a street cop, not on behalf of a legal team or a major department or a major book deal or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's important because I think if you, if you, if, a lot of people that never listened to this before, they're going to hear Leonard Cure case. And I, if they're smart, if they're critical thinkers, they're not going to just take our word for it, John. They're going to go to YouTube and see what other people have to say about it too. Well, I would hope um, so. Which is what I did. But the and what I the reason why ahead. they should listen to you though is because you've been in this exact situation before, right? You were a police officer for nine years in Raleigh, you know, and you have a couple of stories where you've pulled over people who are non-compliant. You've gotten into some chases. You've gotten to you even had an excited delirium case, which you know who knows if that applies to this or not. But you were in that situation, right? So if anybody can talk for this guy, and, and not that not that he put you up to it or that you're here to represent him personally, 
But if anyone can talk about what it's like to be the police officer who pulls over this pickup and gets out of the car, I mean, you can do that. You were there. And that's the difference that you get on failure to stop than you would almost any other breakdown is because we have a police officer here who's been where that guy is. And he could tell you the tactics involved and what this guy's thinking and feeling and, and what's reasonable force and what's not. Yeah, let's go ahead and break this down. Uh, and I, I wasn't quite nine years. It wasn't quite nine years. You gave me a year, but I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, let's go ahead and play this tape. Let's go ahead and play the traffic. Uh, let, let's 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 do the speeding gonna, first. We're going to break- put, put up the speeding. The reason why that's important is because so often when you watch body cam footage or the news shows it, like even on a news article that I have pulled up. They don't show you shit about the reason for the encounter, right? So the reason for the encounter is that a police officer has reasonable suspicion or probable cause to believe that a crime's taking place, right? Cops never invite themselves to the party. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here as a, as a dispatcher and say, you know what cops want to do? Usually nothing. You know, they don't, they, don't, they don't look to get into shit like this. They don't want to be on CNN. But you know what? Crimes happen, and they get invited to that. And when they're out there on patrol and they see a truck drive past them at, a, at 100 miles an hour, they, ha- they cannot ignore that. But the news doesn't ever show you that. So we're going to play you some of the dash cam here. There's no audio on it, so we'll describe it for you if you're just listening. But it's important that you see the context of why this encounter happened in the first place and who really initiated it. Because it wasn't the police officer. It was a criminal committing a crime. So here we have the dash cam footage. It's in on the cruiser here. Pickup speeds right past on the left. If the cop's doing, you know, whatever the speed limit is here on the interstate, I believe it's I-95, it's probably 65. He's going past them. He's easily doing 20 miles an hour faster than that, which is important because at, at certain speeds over the speed limit, you get another another charge. Reckless driving attaches to that, and that's something that, depending on your, your jurisdiction, you can be arrested for. He pulls up behind the car. You can see that his red and blues are on. The truck's not pulling over. It's still in the passing lane. He putting He's putting on his turn signal as though he's going to get over, but he's not braking at all. His brake lights are not on. In fact, he's speeding up as he's changing lanes. No, he's accelerating. He's accelerating. This is uh, 7.30 in the morning, so it's still early yet. It's October, so it's not really dark outside, but you could tell. Look at these other vehicles hitting their brakes as the police officer is going by. You, you could see that they're brightly illuminated. He has not hit his brakes one time. It almost looks like the initiation of pursuit. If he hadn't put on his turn signal and all, that's what I would say. Well, let's, put it, like, let's just hold up. Let's stop the tape really fast, John. If you'll just stop it really quick. Um, even a couple of things before this. Um, okay, so as a police officer, and this is a staff sergeant, so it means he's got probably six or seven years plus under his belt. I would say he's probably got nothing less than five years of uh, being a staff sergeant in the, uh, in, in the police department. Um, so this is a, a seasoned veteran cop who's probably seen it all at this point in his career. So he thought uh, it is not every day that you're cruising around at 65, 70 miles an hour down the highway, especially on 95, especially in Georgia, which is, if you've never been through Georgia, it is the whole thing is a speed trap. Um, they're notorious for having one of the toughest state trooper units in the country. They're kind of like the Alaskan state troopers. These guys are rough, tough, and tumble. We've all seen the video where they pit the the guy during the uh, uh, doing the donuts in the middle of the street and then jumping onto the hood of the car and ripping them out of the window. Uh, I mean, these guys are, are known for that kind of behavior and, and you don't mess around. Every time I cross into Georgia, I tell everybody like, hey, on your way down to the meetup in Florida, when you get to Georgia, go the speed limit because you will get a ticket in Georgia. Everybody knows that. 
this guy being from Georgia, buying a house in Atlanta, he was living in Florida, but he just bought, purchased a, a home in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and going back a little bit further, Leonard Cure, the, the only reason this case has any kind of uh, notoriety behind it is because he was allegedly found, well, he, he was found not guilty of something that he did 16 years in prison for. And that case was an armed robbery case where he met, uh, met the description and um, after years of fighting it, there was a lack of evidence and um, and uh, I, I think the witnesses, the eyewitnesses, the people who were actually robbed might have flip-flopped on what they saw and what they didn't see. I don't see it being nefarious on the, on the detective side of view. Um, honestly, I think he just had a really good legal team, uh, but where they drew them to Leonard Keir in the first place was that he was on some kind of post-release from prison and had a lengthy uh, rap sheet. Now, Ben Crump and his team have done a very great job of keeping two things off of the internet for this case. One, they kept the toxicology report, and we'll get into that here in a few minutes, but they've also kept the uh, the, the criminal record of this guy. Um out of the media as well. And that's fine. I have no problem with that because the cop would never have known this guy's criminal record. Not, not this, not this far in the game. Oh. Um, now he, and, and so it wouldn't really matter. Um, I think it only matters just to, to paint the picture of what type of, of human being, you know, because they, the, the media put out that the officer in this case was removed from another police department for misconduct. And he was fired and every news station ran with the officer being fired for misconduct, but no news station talked about any of the misconduct that got Leonard Cure, the rap sheet that they got him, which inevitably led to them thinking that he was part of an armed robbery at like a Walgreens or some pharmacy. So, um, it's just to be fair, if you're going to release the cops past, we should probably release, if it matters, then we should release the, the criminals past as well. And, and so we're, this we're, also, we're still not really getting a complete picture of that, right? Like, okay, so I was a correctional officer for six years. The truth is about going to prison is that crimes continue to commit. Every day there's rapes, there's, there's thefts, there's assaults. Uh, when you go to prison, it's not like you're in a, in a zone where you cannot commit a crime, right? A lot of these things inside the walls are handled administratively. Uh, if, you, if you're in for prison for life, like Mr. Leonard Cure was, how many cases was he involved in that, if had he been a free man, would have gone to court? If you're doing life in prison and you assault somebody, the state's attorney's office is not going to waste any time putting you in front of a jury or a judge or anything. Because it's an absolute waste of taxpayer money, and it's also not something that you can gain from politically. So this guy could have been in prison. He could have been behaving like a criminal that entire time, and we don't know about it because we can't get access to DOC records to see what kind of inmate he was. The reason I bring that up is because when I see this guy get out of the car, he reminds me exactly of many, many inmates that I've encountered over the years who have chosen violence today. They get up and they have a certain disposition and bearing and they talk a certain way. They ask questions instead of complying. And he acts exactly like that. Now, we know that he was proven, he was proven not guilty and that he shouldn't have been in prison. But what does 16 years inside a wall do to someone? It doesn't make them nicer. In my view, in my experience, it makes them more of a thug. Eric. But you've also got to realize that in the case of Leonard Cure, two juries couldn't decide whether he was guilty or not guilty. So there was evidence either way. These are two guilty. These are two juries of his peers. We're not talking like back in the 80s either. We're not even talking back in the 90s. You know, we're talking in the 2000s. So, um, you know, two separate jury trials were unable. One jury trial found him unable, un unable to say whether he's they were undecided. They called it a mistrial. And then the next jury 
found him guilty. So these jurors were presented enough evidence and his team was that shitty that a jury was like, yeah, this guy is, is guilty. So, uh, they want to make it out that the police put him in jail wrongfully. That's what the innocence project exactly. and Kremp exactly. will say, it says, well, this guy had a chip on his shoulder against the police because it was the police that put him away. Police gathered some evidence. Police gave it to a state's attorney. The state's attorney says, yes, this is enough for me to go forward with the prosecution. I assume he was indicted by a grand jury that looked at that same evidence and said, yes, there's probably been a crime here. And then there was still a full formal jury that decided whether or not this guy did it and he had the highest stakes on the line right he was he was eventually sentenced to life in prison uh, uh, the system as well as it ever works has worked in this case and it worked wrong that happens sometimes but it really lies at the feet of those 12 people and they I'm, I'm assuming they did the best they could but if you're going to blame anyone for him being in sure. prison wrongfully I'm sorry but that happened because of a jury not because of any one police officer or any one department yeah, and it's hard for me to like look at these kinds of cases because I see the way that juries are manipulated by really good attorneys. Um, I've been in cases where I witnessed the crime. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw the bad guy do it. I saw everything that did it, and then the court systems will let him off or the, or the jury will find him not guilty, and I'm like, dude, because they don't believe me because of the, the picture that his defense painted on the scene on myself and the, the lack of things that I'm allowed to say yeah. as a police officer in the courtroom. Well, so they're they able to they manipulate also, and they manipulate. And they but I know the guy was hundred percent guilty because I saw him commit the crime. So I know in my heart a hundred percent he's guilty because I fucking saw it happen. You know, they, they, so they, they I, even though they he, fucking brainwash people though, Eric, I've had it before where oh, a, a lawyer is going through uh, just jury selection and he's going through this string of questions. It's just like, yeah, we no no one likes a liar. No one likes people who don't tell the truth. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we don't like that. We don't we don't want that. And then 20 minutes later, he's got people raising their hands to say they agree that sometimes a lie can be unintentional. A lie is always intentional. If you're if you're if you're intentionally saying what is not the if you're saying what is not the truth to try to manipulate or convince someone of something other than the truth, that's always intentional. But it took 20 minutes, and this lawyer convinced people that now there really is no difference between telling the truth and telling a lie. I mean, they literally wash your brain out as a juror. I think that I've always said, like in court, like I think it would be more fair if you were allowed to paint the entire picture of the crime scene and then you wouldn't have shit like the OJ Simpson trial. Like if you were able to say they found a fucking knife with his fingerprints on it, but because this cop didn't put it in that bag correctly, which is what happened, we're not allowed to use this knife or tell you that this knife had his fingerprints on it. You know what I mean? Like it paints a big picture because now you have somebody like OJ Simpson who was found not guilty, but we all know he was a hundred percent guilty, right. like way too much evidence. But the, the way that the, the defense team was able to get certain evidence removed from the process and things like that, it makes everything very confusing. I, a court is, a, you know, that's why I always say like, I would never hold it up to a jury of my peers because you never know what you're going to get. I mean, it's like literally 50, 50, it's literally who has the better lawyer um, who's more creative and, and more manipulative. And it's, um, it, it's, it's a scary thing to go through, but going on this, this breakdown here with this, this gentleman, in the uh, the cop car here, the staff sergeant, when the car passes by him, it's not every day that somebody passes by you over a hundred miles an hour going down the highway, especially in the state of Georgia, especially when they're going to have Georgia plates and they know better. So when somebody blows by your door, I'm probably guessing at that point you're thinking a uh, woman going into labor, 
maybe trying to get to the hospital. Maybe you're thinking somebody's dead, like dying, death in the family. That's where my mind would have been going if I was this cop because, um, because I wouldn't, I, I literally would not be able to believe that somebody was that stupid that they could just rush by my patrol car at over a hundred miles an hour uh, and not even tap their brakes. Yeah. But this officer, I guarantee you, saw this guy coming at a high rate of speed from his mirror. He saw him going really fast and he was like, what the fuck is this? And then he looked at the guy and I, I would be willing to bet that homeboy probably made eye contact with the cop. Now, why do I say that? Because this cop is really, really mad and cops don't really get that man for no reason. I I know that the, all the videos are like this cop had an ego problem. He's he's got a passive ego problems. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, but I would probably side with. He got there's something that made this guy mad. He challenged him. He right. got. He, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. I mean, maybe like I said, maybe maybe the cop had an ego problem. Maybe the cop. Uh, had an authority complex. Maybe I'm dealing with a with a rookie right now, um, who I've been talking to, who let me know that he was working with a training officer that I knew from a, a former department. And I said, "Look, dude, be careful with that guy. Stay away from him. He's dangerous. That's why he doesn't work at that department anymore. He's got a huge authority complex." And four weeks later, this guy comes to me and he was like, "Dude, everything you said is like 100 right. Like this guy is out of control." And I said, "And it's and that's why it's good that he works in a city that doesn't get a lot of crime because if he would have worked in the the higher crime side of a place like Raleigh, he would have gotten his ass whooped." And this cop's going to get his ass whooped. You know, don't talk no shit. There won't be no shit. And we're going to talk about that too, that you got to be able to back up your tone of voice and your uh, unwillingness to deescalate. But going back to just what we're at right now, this cop, this, this guy gets, this cop has this gentleman blow past his doors and the cop is mad at it. Now the cop turns on his blue lights and it's not every day that somebody doesn't tap their brakes when the blue lights come on. You turn the blue lights on. The first thing you tell your rookie is prepare air to stop very quickly. When the blue lights come on, everybody in the left lane, the right lane, every lane, everybody stops. Everybody stops. So when you move over with a man going 100 miles an hour and you turn on your blue lights and he doesn't even tap the brakes, automatically in your brain, car chase. You know it's a car chase. And when a car chase happens, I don't care who you are or what state trooper division you're from, your heart rate is going to accelerate a little bit. It's exciting. A car chase is exciting. Uh, tunnel vision can set in very quickly if you haven't been in a lot of them. Um, I know I wasn't in a whole lot of car chases because I worked in the very inner, inner city. So car chases were very difficult because it was left turn, right turn, left turn, you know, uh, smashing into trash cans and going through people's front yards. You know, there was no highway to really run on. And so my, my car chases ended very quickly, crashing into wrought iron fences, crashing into the side of apartment buildings, um, spinning out, you know, getting trapped into a parking lot that doesn't have an end to it and you get stuck on the concrete curb. They all end very, very quickly. But I can tell you, every one that I was in, my heart rate was through the roof and I was hyper, hyper focused on what I was doing. Yeah. As a dispatcher, you probably understand that better than anyone. I do. I, I have to talk to people who get into pursuits. Now, there's all different kinds of police officers, and it doesn't mean that they're good or bad 
depending on how they respond to me on the radio. It's just police officers respond to pressure differently. But when a pursuit happens, there's various things that need to happen right away. Uh, you need the traffic cleared on the radio from anyone at other agencies. You need a backup to start heading your way. You need people, you need other units to set up in advance if you're going to set down any kind of spike strips or things like that. Uh, you need to get a supervisor to start monitoring the pursuit if they're not already on the shift listening. There's there's certain things you have to do, but you also need to get out, you know, what's the description of the vehicle if there's no license plate? Does the license plate match? What direction are you going? What's the current traffic and weather conditions? What's the current speed? All these things are used to evaluate you know, why should we continue the pursuit? And sometimes police officers in that situation, they're so hyper-focused, as you said, they go radio silent. And I've had to ask, I've had to get on the radio and say, you know, hey, unit, you know, why why are you doing this? What direction are you going? What's the description of the vehicle? I have to prompt them to do that. And it's, it's not because they're bad police officers. It's not how they, they forgot how to use the radio. It's not that they're scared. It's just all of a sudden there's a certain amount of bandwidth in the brain and it gets overwhelmed. So this police officer you know, we don't know if it's a pursuit yet. He has it. He he was accelerating. He wasn't pulling over. He had his light on. His his turn indicator on. Uh, but th this police officer, his adrenaline just poured through the ceiling. If he's getting ready to to chase sure. after this guy, particularly since this guy's going to pass him, right. At 100 miles an hour. Um, and I, somebody in the chats mentioned that they thought it might be a stolen car or something like that. Yeah, Possibly. these are all the things that are running through Possibly. your head. Like, is this car stolen? It's just you trafficking terrorists in the backseat and he's headed to Washington DC. It could be anything, you know, it could be anything. It could be somebody that's, that's, um, uh, going to be pregnant. And that's why I said, I, I think when this guy blew the doors off the cop, he probably made eye contact with the cop. Now I, I think it was also important to notice to, to note. And I forgot to note it to you that a minute he turned on his lights, this man hugged over the yellow line, which is a huge indicator of something else more nefarious. People don't drive a hundred miles an hour on the shoulder of the road. They get as far to the middle of the road as they can or as close to the middle of the lane as they can because going 100 miles an hour, if you've been 100 miles an hour in your car, you know it's pretty loud, right? <laughs> you know, you get that sound and, and the steering wheel kind of gets a little bit shaky, herky-jerky, especially in a truck that size. You know, so you're not hugging over the shoulder, hitting the, uh, the, the runners there, the alert runners. Um, yep. You're not doing that. So when this guy lights him up and this guy is all the way over there on the yellow line, that to me says, what is he doing in his, what is he doing in the seat right next to him? Is he shoving drugs down into the crack of the seat? Is he Got trying to get gun. the gun out of the glove box? And what, what is he doing? Because the only time that you go and you're that far over is when you're physically doing something else in your car, especially at that speed, yeah. everybody else, any normal person at that speed, hyper-focus, 10 and two trying to figure out where they're going to weave next, turn right, turn left. You know, th their brains are starting to work um, in a pursuit. If you're doing something else, then that's when the car starts to drift off the side of the road. So I, when I saw this for my very first time, I was like, why is this asshole like all the way over on the yellow line, past the yellow line on the median? Um, he must be doing something. And I, and, and this veteran well-seasoned cop is thinking the same thing. Or he, let me just give you I mean, it's also just an indicator that he could be intoxicated, which is another reason to pull. Could be. Could be. I probably wouldn't have thought that right off of the bat um, because I didn't see the ping pong. Honestly, like that drifting to the left means that you're doing something with your right hand because you're trying to overcorrect and not drift to your right hand. Sure. So for me, the indicator of hugging one line over that line is an indicator that you were doing something in the glove box that's just an indic that's from indicator based policing which if you're a new cop if you're if you haven't done any indicator based policing get on youtube look up how to find indicators i think it's one of the best ways it's not profiling it's based on indicators and you'll learn all of these things 
things, right? They say in jujitsu, if you want somebody to go left, you push them right first and then let them overcorrect themselves. It's the same concept here in speeding down the highway. If they're going left, it's probably because they're doing something on the right. Um, and that's why I saw this. So, I, you know, for those of you who are, are new to, to uh, you, you're not in a police officer or anything like that, um, a traffic stop like this would look, sound something like, uh, you know, 424 Georgia, you know, or whatever, Atlanta, whatever the PD is. Uh, this will be a traffic stop. It's going to be a silver uh, Dodge Ram pickup truck license plate whiskey alpha alpha six two three four uh we got gray skies medium traffic our speeds are going to be a hundred plus uh go ahead georgia this car is not stopping hang on he's drifting over to the side of the thing again the weather is a little bit foggy and uh you know there's just so many things that are going on in his head but he's also trying to find indicators and he's trying not to die driving over 100 miles an hour okay. all of these things combined is why you should have a good night's sleep and ghostbed right now is offering 50 percent off to the wolfpack members by using the promo code wolfpack so that you can get sleep so good it's literally scary you will find that your mood is better that you're just your general well-being is better mental wellness mental health starts with a good night's sleep and that's why we're proud to pop uh, proud to partner with people like Ghostbed right now. Ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. You can get the cooling sheets. You can get the pillow. You can get that adjustable base with the massage. This is zero gravity massage, by the way. I laid on one of these at the Ghostbed facility in Fort Myers, Florida, and it shoots air up and down your back, and then it rolls. So it's like you don't have like some kind of like stiff thing jabbing you in the back. I mean, this is just shooting high amounts of pressured air into your back. It feels incredible. You'll feel like a new person. This is all in the, that adjustable base. Uh, you can get the cooling sheets that have all the cooling technology. They've got the Serena Williams line that has like the copper infused stuff to make your bones heal faster. So if you're really into athletics or really into like basketball, women's basketball, like red in the chats here is, or, you know, um, uh, Something like that is really good for you. So head over to ghostbed.com, 0% down, 0% financing. And that's if you have Alaskan state state trooper credit. Um, that's a, another shout out to homeboy in the chats. Where is he? What's his name? Let's see. Wesley, Weasley, Wesley, Weasley, Wesley. I don't know, but looks like he's trying to get on with the Alaska state troopers. So I guarantee you, Weasley, uh, Wesley, you'll probably make it on the Alaskan state troopers, but you're not going to make it without a good night's sleep and without being uh, properly uh, had the proper nutrients that your body needs to to go through a big 12-hour shift at the, the Alaska State Trooper tryouts that you're going to have to do, the little boot camp that they have for you. Again, that's why we're proud to partner with Factor Meals. Baby, meal planning to the next level. I was just talking to a SWAT boy yesterday, and he was telling me about it. He was like, dude, I had to wake up so early before I got here today to train because uh, meal prepping just took way longer, and I didn't do it last night. And I was like, dude, you ever heard of Factor Meals? Factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack. All you have to do is go on there. There's 300 menu items. They've got calorie conscious. They got these calorie meals that have a, a that, that you know if you want to lose weight that low in calorie, like under 300 calorie type meals, and they make you feel great and you still feel full. But they also have protein heavy, where they got 30 grams plus of protein in these bad boys. These are fresh, never frozen meals, chef prepared by hand, delivered. 
delivered straight to your door in a beautiful packaging. You can do any kind of meal planning for the week ahead. They deliver it right to your door within days. And then you can, your meal planning is done for the week. They've got vegan options, vegetarian options. They now have breakfast with pancakes, everything. The breakfast shakes are incredible. Head over to factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack50. I swear by them. I love them to death. I don't know where my busy life would be without factor meals. You don't have to go over there and prepare your little shrimps and then your chickens and then your beef and then your pancake and then get it all into the containers and snap all the lids and put it all in your fridge. No, it's, just, it's one big giant box. It's got the little cooler stuff inside of it, the liquid ice or whatever it's called. Take it out, line it up in the thing. It's all color coordinated and coded and, and it's easy. You're ready to go. The time that you'll save and the money that you'll save with going factor meals. And right now they're offering 50% off so, all right, let's go ahead and get back to this uh, breakdown. We've passed all of that. Um, we're past. Uh, we're past the speeding thing. It's very weird. I would say, as a, as a staff sergeant here, um, I would be offended highly. And I, I bet you that this staff sergeant. Now let's let's talk about this really quick. This is really important, John. When you're a staff sergeant, you're in charge of people, and the you're kind of you kind of get used to a sense of authority that you have earned. You don't just get staff surgeon at a police department. They don't just give those things out typically. And especially if you're on patrol and you're on a highway type patrol. So you're used to guys calling and saying, Hey Sarge, I'm going to be late. I'm so sorry. What can I do? What do I need to do? How do we get through this without me getting buttloads of trouble? Hey Sarge, I accidentally dropped my shampoo in the uh, locker room and I tried to mop it up, but it's still super slippery in there. Where do I find one of those don't slip signs? You know, you're constantly all day being bombarded with people who are sorry and they're apologetic and they acknowledge your authority. When people walk through the door, morning Sergeant, Morning, Sergeant, because they understand that it's earned. It's not an ego complex. It's not like, you know, uh, a power trip of sorts. Now, maybe he did, but I'll just, I'm just talking based on most, most staff sergeants. So they're used to kind of a sense of being an authoritative figure. So when somebody blows your doors off like this and has no regard for your authority, I can see that there's probably an extra little sense of what the fuck? Who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? And that's a natural response that any of you would have. So before you get on here and be like, well, he's on a power trip, you would be on the same power trip. If you were used to one way of living and then all of a sudden it switched gears on you, you might fall into that hole. Who the fuck do you think you are? They, they say he's on a power trip, but what happened to having just a basic level of respect for law enforcement? We're supposed to have that in a civilized society, right? There's people that police us. And even if you disagree with them, you're supposed to respond in a certain way as a good citizen, as in a mature person, as an adult. And that means you, you show deference and respect for their authority. Even if it cheeses you off that you're getting pulled over, you know, only an idiot's going to try to fight in that situation because a police officer has a tremendous amount of power and discretion in that situation. He can let you off with a warning or he can hammer you hard with everything. And this guy's behaving in a manner that says, I don't give a fuck. I don't respect your authority. And the cop hasn't even gotten out of the car yet. Yeah. So um, now let me caveat to that. If you're a young street cop, it is very important that you control your emotions in these certain situations. I'm not saying that you have to, and I'm not saying that I did my entire career, not trying to be a hypocrite. But what I'm saying is you have to try to 
I don't want to use the word de-escalate, but you have to try to allow your emotions. I always like to say, and I, I was very good at this, so I can say it. I was, I got good at it. I, I wasn't born good at it. When you guys read my book and you see all my uh, enormous amounts of fuck ups in this comedy that I've written, Pig Latin, you'll understand. Okay, I'm not, I'm not coming at this as a, a brag or a, a humble brag or anything, but I got good at. I would always say when somebody was doing something crazy, I would say, oh, I bet they're trying to get to the hospital because their wife's about to have a baby. I bet they're having a um, a moment where their blood sugar is really low and they're just acting fucking crazy. So that's how I would go into every situation. And of course, almost 99% of those, they would prove me differently. They would be like, no, they're just an asshole. And then I could be offended because I would start my conversation with like, sir, sir, is everything okay? Is everything okay, sir? Hey, is there, who's in your back seat? Are you okay? Is, is somebody pregnant? Is somebody having a baby? Is your wife having a baby? And they're like, what? No. And I'm like, no, your wife's not having a baby right now. Are, are you sick? Or are you medically ill? No, you're not. Oh, well, okay. So why were you driving a hundred miles an hour down the highway? What's going on? You know what I'm saying? And then now I can be offended. Yeah. Because I've ruled out all these things and he he looks like the asshole. I think you have to be very careful. It doesn't matter what how much authority you think you have. Getting out of the car and acting like this, it's a bold move. And yeah, you can probably do it with a 16-year-old or like a 22-year-old college weenie or something like that. But you never know when you're going to start talking like this and you're going to have a dude that just did 16 years in prison and fucking hates authority. And then if you don't have the training or the ability to fight back, this is exactly what's going to happen. So I encourage you guys to practice being more Use your, uh, use your empathetic. Dis- empathetic, but use your, your use your discretion too. Every traffic stop's a completely unknown situation. Eric says you could get a you could get a baby being born, or you could get this guy stepping out. So make make sure that you're fully understanding the situation as you go. And of course, go in there, go in there strong, be a leader, but try to get some try to get some understanding of who it is that you're dealing with. Junior Coltrane in the chat says that cop was way too aggressive and emotional making the stop emotional beta. It's just a speeding ticket. Jeez. No, well, I would argue that it's not just, a speeding, just a speeding ticket because it is a speeding ticket that uh, was a, a car chase. Um, when you light somebody up and they're going 100 miles an hour already, they're already under arrest because anything speeding over 90 is an arrestable offense in Georgia. So he's already created a criminal act and he's got Georgia plates. So he knows what he's done is a criminal offense. And it's no secret that in Georgia, you go to jail for, for behavior like that. Um, but not only was he going over 90, he was going over a hundred miles an hour. And then when he lit him up, uh, Mr. Coltrane, he sped up, which is like bizarro land. So this is a car chase for all intents and purposes. There is a thing called fight or flight. And this is real. This is a real thing. When people don't know if they want to fight you or flee from you, they do a lot of weird things like, um, I'm going to turn my blinker on. No, 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 no. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. No, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to give up. No, 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 no. I'm going to run. And we've already seen this in this traffic stop. He does it several times. He's going faster than everybody else. He's made no attempt of even slowing down. He's gotten over and then not gone over. He's hugging the line, which means he's stuffing something. This that cop sees all these indicators and it's scary to him. 
he might not say it was scary, but it's got his adrenaline going. It's got his heart rate going. And, and Mr. Coltrane, your, yours would be too, if you were put in this position and there, and, and you're going to have an adrenaline spike. Now, adrenaline spikes are different for everybody. Now, if you're used to getting into a ring and fighting with people and you're used to dealing with adrenaline, you might be able to work through the adrenaline, but not everybody does that. Definitely not a staff sergeant cop. I, I guarantee you he didn't make staff sergeant because he's got a whole bunch of extracurricular activities that he does on the side. He probably made staff sergeant because he's super hyper focused on being a cop. You know, um, we should. Get, and we again, should I'm not praying though. We should show. We should show what Coltrane's talking about how he how he gets out in the cop seems to have an attitude. So we'll go ahead and start playing the dash cam footage from where he gets out of the vehicle. Well, I, wait, hang on. Coltrane says you can't trust an emotional man. The cop is super emotional. I don't know if he's emotional. I probably wouldn't say he's emotional. I okay. I guess if the emotion is anger, he is angry. And this thing, but he, you, and, and I, I, I bet you, I don't know you, Mr. Coltrane. I have no idea who you are, but I would be willing to bet that there are situations where you will lose your mind and, and, and that's just going to happen. You can't go through your whole life. Just all of your actions are not emotional. Like, come on. You can't tell me right now that your kids haven't made you emotionally react or that your wife hasn't made you emotionally react or that your boss hasn't made you or your best friend or whatever. I, you know, cops are human too. They can't go through every circumstance, every situation and not be emotionally charged i'll go back to a time where it was snowing outside and it doesn't snow very often in in north carolina especially in raleigh and we don't salt our roads mr coltrane we don't salt them at all um and you're you're, you're told to stay home you're kind of given a uh, there's a curfew in place everything shuts down in raleigh north carolina they shut it all down not going anywhere and all we do all day is go to car accidents. We as a squad went to over 100 car accidents in a day and our squad was only like seven dudes. So imagine seven guys having to do 150 accident reports, which an accident report is like harder than a homicide report. It really is. You've got to like measure out screech marks and you've got to do diagrams. You have to get on CAD, which is a, uh, what, what is CAD? That's for um, computer aided dispatch. It gives you all your information, yeah. Yeah, but engineers use CAD, right? So you're trying to build out this cr crash scene on CAD and you get graded on these things and then the insurance companies put you on blast and it's a huge headache and now each one of these cops is doing 20 of them, okay? So it, it's a big deal and it sucks and you get frustrated doing it. And, and I hate doing accident reports, hate it, loathed it. And I had done a whole bunch that whole weekend. It was somewhere in the record, like 20 or 21 car accidents. It was a record for me. And I am, it's now three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm on the highway driving like 35 miles an hour because I'm like, these roads aren't, I, aren't salted. And I've already seen so many car wrecks today. I saw a little boy lose his whole front row of teeth. And it was the saddest thing I've ever seen because like two of the teeth had come up and went out of his lip and were like in his nose. It was insane because when the kid, he was in the front seat and, and, um, and when he lunged forward, I guess like he didn't have the shoulder strap on. And so he uh, like smashed into the dashboard, but the fucking airbag caught him in the upper lip and it just ripped his teeth out. It was insane. And uh, and so I'm, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and, uh, and I'm driving back and this Escalade with this blonde bombshell, this Taylor Swift looking blondie, you know, the type, right? That just looks good and lots of makeup and looks expensive. You know what I'm talking about, right? The chicks that look expensive that you know you can't afford them and she's in an Escalade 
and she blows by me, brother. It she was going like a hundred. 80 miles an hour minimum, 80. I was going real slow, so it was hard to tell. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? And I don't do traffic stops, period. I've written like 20 tickets in six years. So I go to catch this girl and I'm freaking out, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking out for the black eyes, man. I'm panicking. I'm like, bitch, you better stop. You know, I put on all my blue lights. She ain't slowing down. She whips off of an exit and I'm like, good. I can chase her on the back roads. I'm fine with that. She'll wreck. So she gets off of this exit without even slowing down. She's, you know, and I'm like, dude, she's going to hit the black ice like everybody else said. She's going to wreck. She gets off the exit. She stops, throws her hands up and causes a fit. And I was mad and I yelled at her. I yelled at her up. I was like, listen, do you have a family? Do you have kids? Well, I know fucking people who do. And who do you think you are? And she's like, you're stopping me from getting on an airplane. And it was a whole thing. I was very emotional. And I'm not a, I'm not really the type of guy that gives a fuck about those kinds of things. But I really was angry that she would take the chance with her own life and everybody else's life to drive like that big of an asshole. And I remember after that, like being like, dude, I've dealt with murderers. I've dealt with domestic violence shit. And I never... I've never like knife hand yelled at somebody, but she got the best of me. I was literally angry and it wasn't because she was just going fast. It was because somebody was going to have to do her paperwork. I thought I saw her in that moment as being just this selfish, conceited bitch that needed to get on an airplane. And so fuck everybody around me. Fuck the cops. that have to deal with cleaning my shit up. I got to get to the airport because I'm more important because I didn't wake up on time because I needed my beauty sleep. And it made me fucking mad, dude. So I get it, dude. Like people are always going to have emotional responses. Um, she left that with a warning and she cried because I yelled at her and I felt good about it afterwards. So I can see where this guy, this, this could have just really pissed him off. He might not be like that on every stop. And I would be willing to bet that he's not like that on every stop or he wouldn't have made it to staff sergeant. Cause they're not going to promote an asshole like that. He might've been an asshole at his earlier department and then learned better. Um, and it's just caught up with him and he had a bad moment, but uh, I can see where this guy really pissed him off. Go ahead and play it. We'll play the tape. I say, yeah, let's get to it so we uh, we can have full context of what we're talking about. Yeah. Watch me now. Put your- let's back that up all the way to the beginning. Yeah. Purchase the vehicle. I have the same truck, by the way. Do you? Not sure why yeah. it's not backing up. It's a little bit slowed up. Hold on one second. Well, while you're backing it up, let me just answer Junior Culture. Sure, so my name is Yahweh. Go ahead. Uh, he says, men with emo- no, you just rewind it, get it rewind. Uh, he says, men with emotional control are the highest level of, of the male human. I mean, I, do you think that every single cop is, is peak male human? I mean, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment if that's what you think. Um, you know, you're not, you don't have. Dude, a lot of cops are nerds, man. Like, you've got forensic cops. They're not fucking... They don't deal with this kind of shit very well. They're not masters of any martial art or fighting or or anything like that. They became a cop because they wanted to forensics. Or they got into policing because they wanted to get into mediation and mediate domestic violence. I mean, cops. there's so many cops that join for so many different reasons. But to think that cops are the peak male human is you know these guys aren't fucking like green berets and if they were they would have gone and been green berets you know what i'm saying like they're, they're humans just yeah, like there, are a lot of and there are a lot of seals that are cops actually so yeah. i know quite a few but here we go 
Jeff out. Put your hands back here. I ain't doing shit. Put your damn hands back here. Who are you? Staff Sergeant Officer Sheriff's Office. My name is Yahweh. I don't care. Step to the rear of this vehicle. In the name of who? In the name of the law of the state of Georgia. Step back here. Now you're getting tased. Put your hands on the back of that truck. Do you see that? Put your hands on the back of that truck. Back of the truck. Both hands. Turn around. 34, can you send me another unit? One non compliant. Your name is Officer Staff Sergeant Aldridge with the Camden County Sheriff's Office. Camden County. Put your hand behind your back. Do I have a do I have a warrant? No, 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 Excuse me. Excuse me. Put your hands behind your back because you're getting tased. I'm telling you that right now. Why am I getting tased? So a couple of things we got to look at really quick on this breakdown. Uh, he's stalling. These are stall tactics. I've talked about it in a many other uh, breakdowns. Stall tactics are, are it's still fight or flight. He doesn't know whether he wants to fight or he wants to, to flee. This cop sees that and he knows that already. He probably knew that from the traffic stop. It's indicator based policing. Um, and that's probably why the cops acting the way he is because he knows it's fight or flight. So I'm not picking on junior Coltrane at all in the, in the chats, but if you haven't been a cop, you know, indicators, you know, indicator based policing, and you know that when somebody wants to fight or flight, flight and you've got to be ready for that fight and i think at this point the cop has chosen he's going to win the fight he's going to escalate this um and try to to squash it with his authority with his presence with his taser and that often works it's not a bad go-to tactic to be honest with you if you think somebody is going to flee from you i don't think it's a necessarily a bad tactic to say don't even fucking think about it dude i will wreck you now if it doesn't work, you've got to be prepared to wreck the guy. And if you're not, you're going to, you're going to get the consequences and this cop's going to figure that out very quickly here shortly. But I, I don't have a problem with using your authority to try to stop something. It's like escalating by deescalating. If I tell you to shut the fuck up and it makes you very quiet, then, then it worked. I deescalated it by, by being escalatory. Now, if I say shut the fuck up and you're like, you shut the fuck up. Well, didn't right work out for me. And I better try to figure out a new tactic. Right? So it's like, if you're doing jujitsu and you're going to go for one grab and the guy closes it off, you've got to think, okay, well I tried now I got to figure out something else. It's the same thing with verbal judo as they call it. Uh, sometimes you're going to do things that aren't going to work. Sometimes you're going to do really good at, at deescalating somebody. And then you're going to say something wrong and it's going to escalate them. Yada, 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 go back and forth. But I think what we have, right here is this cop was like i'm gonna be the bigger man i'm gonna be the alpha he didn't know that this dude was in prison for 16 uh years and he also didn't know that he was this drunk or high or whatever it is you can tell he's drunk or high you can see the low the slow methodical movements of his hands he's um he's asking hallucinating he's like trying to look at the ground every time he's he asking stupid questions yeah every time he's asked something he asks a question in return which is a form of non-compliance so like i said inmates do that right and that's time. that goes back to fight or flight he's still trying to determine whether he wants to fight this cop or flee this cop so either way this guy i'm telling you right now i'm telling you right now i promise you 100 this dude was going to run or fight no matter what the cop did no matter what the cop did there's very few instances where this cop could have stopped this that he has been doing the, the the wheels have been turning in this dude's brain since the minute he was lit up by the cop uh he knew he was drunk he knew he was high that's why he blew by him at 100 miles an hour when the cop pulled him over he was already trying to hide whatever drugs or illegal uh, paraphernalia he had that's why he was hugging the yellow line he then pretended to pull over and then was like not so he's still just saying am i gonna am i gonna pull over and fight with this cop 
or am I just going to flee? It's fight or flight. That's the only option here. And I think the cop's good enough and smart enough that he knows this. And I don't think he's deliberately trying to be an asshole. I think he's trying to use his authority. I think he's trying to be an alpha in this situation. I don't necessarily think he's being emotional. I think he is trying to be the alpha. He just picked the wrong motherfucker to be the alpha for, if that makes sense. Um, go ahead and, and play it. All right, here we go. Because you are under arrest for speeding and reckless driving. I'm not driving. Nobody was hurt. How was I speeding? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. Okay, so that's a speeding ticket, right? Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now. Why? You passed me. You got to stop it. I got to go back and forth. Junior, please know that I'm not picking on you, dude. I'm just trying to educate and inform. You're asking killer questions. I'm all for it. He says the police file policy by making a felony stop alone. Nope, that's wrong. That is wrong. No felony had been committed. Um, no violent felony had been committed. You would not do it. If you did a felony vehicle stop based on what you would like to call speeding or what the perception is speeding because everybody calls this speeding. The news is calls it. So the perception and perception is reality. I like to say it's not, but in 2023, let's face it. Perception has become reality. And almost every case I could break down a thousand cases where, where uh, somebody was found guilty based on perception versus reality. Um, but in this case, even you said it yourself, it was just speeding. Could you imagine that if it was just speeding, I use the air quotes here and, and a whole bunch of cops drew out their guns and got on an intercom and said, move to the back one, this guy, I never would have stopped and dealt with that. Why that cop is sitting there waiting for somebody else to respond, he would have taken off. Two, you're on the highway. Your response time there, at best, mm, eight minutes, I would say. Probably the fastest somebody's going to get to you. That's one cop. Uh, and if you're going to go by policy on a felony vehicle stop, you wouldn't even do that stop with two. So the policy, that, that's, a, that's a fallacy there. There is no policy that says you can't make a felony vehicle stop alone. Um, it, I, I guarantee you their policy isn't written, you shall. It's just, it'll probably say something like felony vehicle stops are done with three bubble blah, 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 cops. But there's nothing that says you shall do it because you, you can't, there, there's way too many incidences, incidents where you would have to do a felony stop without other patrol cars. I mean, think about if this dude was trafficking children or something like that. You would be so mad if this cop couldn't pull the guy over because he was waiting on two more cops. And that's the other thing, too. You can't expect these cops to be just fucking warriors because you, not you personally, um, Junior, but the society has taken away warrior mindset training from police officers and they haven't had that in six or seven years. So there, it's all about de-escalation training and things like that. And de-escalation training rarely works. It works sometimes. Um, I, again, it's just a tool. It's like a wrench will work sometimes, but not all the time. And so you can't expect every cop to be a tactician of violence because then you would just have a whole bunch of cops that are really good with dealing with violence and nobody would be good at math. Nobody would be good at court prep. Nobody would be good at um, domestic violence mediation. Nobody would be good at drug reduction. Nobody would be, you know, every cop has their skill and you can't expect every cop to be the best at everything, right? How can you be a good shooter and a good fighter and be a really, really good um, child sex crimes detective? You can't because child sex crimes detectives spend 99.99% .99 of their day 
on their phones, on their interwebs, talking to confidential informants, talking to DAs, talking to trial judges, talking to kids, doing interviews, setting up for interviews. Sometimes these interviews are done at midnight when they're uh, on break at their shift from the roses. Sometimes they're having to go to Target and meet in the parking lot at six o'clock in the morning. They're having to go to the gym. You know, it's like policing isn't a nine to five life. It's when can we get things done? What we can do. And I don't want my child sex crimes detective to be a master jujitsu artist and a fucking three gun state champion shooter because then none of these children will be saved. There's not enough time in a day to be good at everything. And I guarantee you this cop is probably good at a lot of things that you aren't. Now, maybe you are a tactician. Great. Be on the SWAT team, work in the cities. I guarantee you, if you're a tactician, if you're, if you're a technical fighter and a technical shooter, you're not out on the highway making traffic stops. That's not your forte. You're in the, the inner cities trying to hunt down gang members. That's where all your badass real alphas that are real trained tacticians go. But it doesn't mean that the dude that's pulling cars over or the child sex crimes guy isn't going to come into contact with really bad, violent people. And unfortunately, they're probably going to get their shit pushed in. And so what we teach is it's important to have a warrior mindset and to win. And at the end of the day, this cop won. So I don't expect this cop to be a fucking superhero, not out there on the street, not, not out there b- pulling cars over on the highway. And I, I think that this cop probably is really good at traffic interdiction. He's probably gotten lots of dope off the streets. I mean, he's a staff sergeant. He's done something. He's done something to move up the ranks uh, of staff sergeant. And uh, I really think he just bit off more than he could chew here. But uh, I, I don't buy the policy violation. No. Uh, well, Fulconair says this really feels like a legit breakdown. Even mm. even now, it's still not a felony at this point. Like he's not being compliant or whatever, but no felony has taken place. So yeah, it's a misdemeanor, and you wouldn't even you wouldn't even charge him at this point if he would um, start to comply. You wouldn't charge him with resist. No, um, you'd give him a break on that. It this doesn't become a felony until he gets choked. Yeah. Now, I, maybe Georgia has a felony speeding uh, violation. Um, Maybe you can articulate that it's a felony because he didn't stop when lit up and instead he ran. I mean, maybe you could articulate it. It's not going to hold up in the court of law. No, no, no uh, judge or anything is going to say that that was a car chase, even though the cop knows that it was. It, it, nobody, that's never going to stand the test of they, time. They have no felony so, speeding in, mis- in Georgia. It's all a misdemeanor. Well, there you go. So there, there's no felony. Don't listen to Ben Crump and what Ben Crump has to say. That's just not. That's just not there. And then the, the effective police use their brain rather than their body to control a suspect. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll go with you on that one. That's true. Um, you have to use both. But sometimes. this is a scary situation that you've never been in, probably. Uh, you've got cars. Have you ever tried to change your tire, John, on the side of a highway? Cars whipping by? It's uh, Well, it's that's dangerous. What's... People get killed just changing their tire doing that, let alone w- walking right near the fog line like this officer and the suspect are. They're, they're in danger right now. I mean, look at the size of this truck that you have paused right here. We've got some kind of a DOT truck carrying some kind of massive generator going by you. And it's Florida. I mean, it's Georgia. So, uh, yeah, I'd say the probably speed limit there is probably 65 men. Yeah, it's probably 60, 65. Um, so we, we could just say that everybody's probably going 65 or 70 in, in that area. And that's really fucking fast to be hugging that tight line. That's a lot of trust in a bunch of little Karens and Susie's and Jimmy's and Johnny's and Eden's and Ethan's aren't playing on their fucking cell phone hugging that white fuck line so as a cop he's thinking this fucking sucks i don't want to be here right now i don't like being on the side of the highway it's early in the morning i haven't had my donut and my coffee and uh you know my children were late for school and i'm gonna have to deal with that later and now i got this cunt acting like the way he is 
pulls him to the back of the car. This guy is stalling. He's obviously drunk. He's obviously high on something, not drunk. He's drunk or high or both, but he's definitely not in the right state of mind. And he's definitely geared for a fight. Like this dude's ready for a fight. He wants it. He's wanted it since he blew by the cop at hundred miles an hour. Uh, and this cop knows that this cop knows that. Go ahead. Honestly, the wife beater should also be a misdemeanor that he attacks on at the end. Here we go. Felony. 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 We don't know how to miles. And what? I'm not going hands behind your back. Yes, you are going to jail. Hands behind your back. Put your hands behind your back. Coltrane, and you're right. Obviously, this dude is not a alpha technician of any sign because we've known that he would he would have went for the underhook right there and would not be put in the position that he was right now if he had any amount of, of training at all in combatives. Um, that would have been an underhook and not like some kind of wazoo uh, attempt at a headlock. So I, this guy has no uh, hand-to-hand skills when it comes to uh, fighting like this, uh, fighting a real a real warrior. Also, I would have to think that maybe he's not thinking correctly either because, oh, dude, I can't imagine. I think this would be grounds. I, I think I might have taken a cowardly route at this. It would take a certain amount of balls to know that you're not that great of a fighter and then to be fighting on the side of the highway. Did you see how far out, John, did he went into that lane? He went out did you there. see how far out there he went? Any car that was there would have murdered both of them. And you know it. that cop's got to be thinking this. I think I would have been like, yo, 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 let's just, you just leave. I quit. That, <laughs> I'm not getting smashed that, that, over this bullshit. He, he, he tases this guy. The guy does still does not comply. He doesn't even move, which... A taser, a taser is designed to cut your, your motor cortex out where you should just fall on the ground. This guy doesn't even fall down. He doesn't move. He stands around and like something out of a movie, he reels in the cop with the taser wires. They start grappling. The cop, you know, so often we have seen it where cops are not re- using their less lethal stuff. They're not, they're not escalating. He tries to hit this guy with a baton just to get him to release him. So he's already done two less than lethal approaches to attempt to gain control over this guy, and neither one of them's working. And you're right. They're sitting here having this. This is a life or death grappling match right now that you're seeing. This is not. This is not for points. This is. There's not going to be any judgment decision on who wins this. It's going to be who walks out of here and who goes home in the back of an ambulance. And you're right. It's happening right next to traffic where vehicles. Probably Probably are not pulling over just because they're so bad at it. So this guy is either likely to get killed by this suspect or or by a semi truck going past him. This is incredibly yeah, this dangerous. Is, this is this is a, a fight to the finish, and it was a fight to the finish when the guy blew by him. Like this guy had every intent of either fight or flight. He did not know what he wanted to do, and when he pulled over, he had chose fight. This fight was going down uh, again, no matter what, or or there was going to be a high speed pursuit, which would probably also end in this guy dying at some point as well, or at least a great chance of him dying. I will like to give out some pointers here. The, the cop did, like you said, pulled out his baton and his taser, and that's not easy to do under a high stress situation either. All Oftentimes we talked about tunnel vision where in a car chase, uh, the cop will forget to even get on the radio. Um, This cop did a good job on his radio, but he also had the wherewithal to pull out his taser and the wherewithal to try to get to his baton. I'll be honest with you, Mr. Coltrane. 
Um, I've got some a pretty significant amount of military experience, combat experience, and I worked in the inner city seeing somebody get stabbed or shot every day, getting in foot chases at least once a week, if not every other week, if not multiple times in a week sometimes. So um, I, the adrenaline was something that I got used to and, and um, high stress situations were something that I became pretty familiar with. Even in this, in this situation, not sure I would have went to my baton just because I had never it. used a, a, a baton is only useful if you can charge it with kinetic energy, right? You hold it up behind your head and you swing it and you try to go to certain points on a human body, that mostly being the outside of the thigh, the common peroneal, because like a taser, sure. it's supposed to disable that motor cortex. It's supposed to drop them. If you're already being grappled, it's, you know, once, once they're inside the effective range of the baton to where you can't swing it and charge it with energy, he's just trying to use a, a metal or blunt force object, anything at all, that's better than a punch. So he's you can't use a baton effectively if you're grappling. Right. Um, Junior says prison jailbirds always react violently to confrontation. There's no way that this guy would have known that this guy was a jailbird. No way, no how. Um, that doesn't come up when you when you run somebody's license plate, doesn't tell you their criminal history. You wouldn't know their criminal history until you sat behind them and then ran their criminal history. Again, internet's an issue. Look how cloudy and gloomy it is. So he might not have even got internet base when he when he lit that guy up so normally a traffic stop would work is like you see a car and there's an obvious violation and you get behind the car and you follow the car for like a mile or two and while you're filing the car for a mile or two it's not just because you're trying to be an asshole it's because you're waiting on the internet you've ran that to make sure that the car's not stolen um because that's about the only thing it'll tell you it'll tell you if the guy has warrants or the car's stolen that's yeah. it if and it'll light up in red and it won't even really tell you what it's no. for if, if you're um, running a full triple i to see if this guy's a felon that takes that there's a lot of fields you have to enter into your MDT, uh, and that takes like three minutes. You're not going to do that while you're driving. You're not going to do that while there's this guy walking around or being non-compliant. You know, but, but I'll tell you this, like, uh, you know, depending on your experience, this guy gets out his disposition is bearing. And I joke, but honestly, the wife beater is a huge indicator to me. This guy's probably done some time and, and asking questions instead of complying. It could be a drug thing, but it's it's also just what inmates do every single day. They deflect with questioning. They try to get your mind thinking about something else while they're sizing up the tactical situation, while they're waiting for their buddy to come on the block or they're waiting for a weapon to get handy or whatever. Uh, or but, just get the balls to use a weapon they have. Exactly. But, uh, you know, so but the the timing that we're judging this guy upon, by the way, is all hindsight. We're hitting stop on everything. It has only been like one minute since the since the trucks actually pulled over, you know, and look at where we are now within one minute. And, and it seemed like nothing at all to this police officer because he's been keyed up the whole time for, since the chase. And now. And now, ever when you taste somebody and they don't go down and they turn around like the fucking Incredible Hulk God, coming so at you, scary. I mean that's that nice, is so that's scary. nightmare stuff. There was a there was a police officer. I've, I've had it, dude. Uh, Eric Winston, man, I'll never forget it. And um, and we tased him multiple times, and I'll never the, the image will never leave my brain. But it's a different kind of fear, man. When you take because you tase so many people and you see the immediate effects of the taser take place and it works every time. But when somebody's on a neuroblocker drug, like, and that's why I said this guy's hundred percent on drugs. We were going to talk about it. We're running a little bit out of time because I do have a meeting after this. Um, but uh, the neuroblockers that, that you're, that, that you take, um, they can't feel any of this pain. And, and so the, the, the other funny part about this is, is that we can't get the toxicology report for this case. No, they won't release it. Why? Why? I mean, it paints a whole picture. If of all the indicators that the cops saw were intoxication, were da 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 da, 
and you add all those together, it would paint a much different picture of how this story folded out, but we're not doing that. This guy getting tased, you, it, I don't care how much want you have. I mean, if somebody was killing my children and they tased me, I would not be able to no, overcome it's, that. It's, it's not that's not how tasing works. It's not a matter of your willpower you don't get how mad you are. It overrides your, your nervous no. system. It's not, it's all automatic. It's, it locks it's electricity. Your body up. Um, yeah, it locks your body completely up. You don't fight through that unless there is a neuroblocker in your system. This guy obviously has that. Let's go ahead and play it out. All right, we'll go ahead and play it out from here. Again, this is a struggle of life Almost and death. Over. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, bitch. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Damn it, shots fired. Shots fired, Camden. Stay down. You're gonna get up. Stay down. Stay down. Stay down. Camden, shots fired. Suspect down. You send me help. Stay down! Stay down! Stay! Okay, so now what's going on is the cop's going through repetitive repetition. Stay down, stay down. He's just doing his thing because his brain has now, uh, it's at max capacity. It's like when your computer starts doing the thinking thing because you've made it go too fast. Human brain is the same way. It's a computer. Um, he's given it too many things to think about. I know this is happening because he's standing in the middle of fucking traffic. He's not even thinking about getting smashed by a car. And I promise you, if he was changing a tire or doing anything else that had no stress, he would not be anywhere near that fog line or anywhere on that side of the vehicle if he had any wherewithal what's going on. Right now, his brain is trained to process way too many things at way too many times. And so what happens is that you just start regurgitating the same thing over and again. It's that little wheel that spins. Stop moving. Don't move. Stop moving. It's just like when the suspect was asking questions to stall this cop is saying things because he's trying to say things over and over again to get his brain to catch up to figure out what the fuck he's got to do next and now we've got a brain truck that's backed up and i, don't, I bet you that cop never even saw that brain truck if i had to yeah. bet a hundred dollars um junior says if the cop had backup there the suspect would have never been gone for that and the cop put himself in that at a disadvantage listen dude i, I, I know you want this cop to be just up in every situation it. like i've never had backup like when this isn't the movies dude backup is like eight nine minutes minimum on something like this like what backup are you talking about like i love that this younger generation thinks that there's somebody else coming to help you that's not fucking true junior, dude. He already you're alone junior he already called for backup as soon as he had the guy his hands on the truck he says Send me another unit. This guy's non-compliant. So if you're talking about backup, backup's already on the way. In case in point to what Eric's saying, where are they? They're not here. You have a guy in a Brinks truck seeing a cop grappling with a guy. The guy in the Brinks truck is probably armed. He's pulled over off the side of the road, and now he's going to get out with his gun too. So the first backup that this cop gets is an armored car driver. The other police officers are still driving there. So you talk about backup. So how many traffic stops do we have a day in this country? Millions and millions and millions. How many of them turn out like this? 
so a fraction so small that it's be, it's beneath computation, right? Like so people small. are not getting killed so on traffic stops like this every single day. So you cannot you cannot operate as a police officer contingent to the idea that I'm going to have backup right here, particularly if you're doing patrol on the interstate. Even if there's a cop nearby, if they're going the other direction, they've got to drive five miles away and get an exit and turn around. There's a guardrail there in the median, which means a cop can't just swing over from the other side. It takes actual time, folks. When a police officer needs to be there, there's 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 speed and there's geometry involved in, in getting them there. And people think this when they dial 911 too, that they're going to dial 911 and a cop just going to rappel out of a helicopter and dive in through their dining room window. Folks, there's there's not always a police officer free. There's not always one nearby. And there's no way for us to anticipate when a police action like this is going to escalate to this point. So we try to keep units, you know, strategically spread around in areas where we're going to be doing things like this. We try to have zone partners and things like that to have backup nearby. But that's not the reality, particularly on the interstate. You talk to any highway highway patrol person, they're on their own for a long time. That's how that, that's the reality. Oh God, I was talking to one the other day. Uh, I was talking to one the other day that shot somebody and, um, and, and he's, he got into it with the guy and he shot him and he was like, dude, uh, my backup was like 38 minutes away. There, yeah. E- even driving 130 miles an hour to get there, it can take, it can take 10 minutes. It could take 20 minutes. It could take 30 minutes. I'll just all depending on who's available and who's nearby. But uh, there again, it's it's not it's not make a wish and a cop appears. Case in point, he already called them and they're still not here. Eric, go ahead. Uh, Junior, uh, th- you're the reason why we do the show, man. We appreciate your yes, um, your comments, your questions. We really do. I mean, that's why we do it. It's to bridge the gap between society and culture. Um, I, like I, I started this show um, years ago because a couple of military guys had me on their podcast, famous military guys um, that have a very famous, famous podcast. And uh, I was able to break down something and they were like, yo, we, ne- we only saw this from a military perspective and we had no idea it was different. Policing is just different. Listen, Junior, I, my very first call, you'll, you'll be able to read it in my book, which is a comedy. It's very funny. But uh, if, you, if you look past the comedy, the funny part was, is that my training officer on my very first day expected me to go into a house after somebody and chase them by myself. And because of my military mindset, we never enter a building by yourself. But in policing, you go into buildings all the time by yourself. You don't call for backup to serve a warrant. You go and you serve the warrant. And if there's a fight, your backup's coming. But like, I can't imagine where I like, I didn't serve a warrant because I didn't have backup, I would be shamed and brutalized and made fun of. And they'd be like, what are you, some kind of pussy? Like, go fucking put handcuffs on the dude. You're a fucking cop. Act like it doesn't mean that uh, not everybody's... Listen, uh, and also in my book, you'll read um, that I got my ass extremely whooped towards the end of my career over... And I was very polite and crazy. It became a statewide training video for a little while. Pretty embarrassing on my point. My mom happened to be with me at the time. It was the only time my mother had ever been with me. She was from Florida. She came up to North Carolina. She wanted to ride with me for like two hours. I took her to dinner in my cop car. I pulled the car over for a broken taillight that was stopped at a green light. And I was like, why is this guy stopped at a green light? Let me see what's going on. Let me ask him what's up. Hang tight, mom. Let me see what's going on. This dude was jacked up on coke. He was tra- uh, trafficking coke at the same time. He saw me and just panicked. That fight or flight, it kicked in and he was like, and he was just stopped at the green light. Didn't know what to do. And I didn't know any of this at the time. And I pulled him out of the car. And I'm being nice. He's flamboyantly gay. Um, He is like, obviously, oh, this sounds just so scary right now. And <laughs> I just thought you were going to kill me. Like, you're-. And that's how he was talking. I'm not being mean. That's exactly how he was talking. I was like, yo, 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 it's not like that man cops just aren't out there doing it i want to show you the tail light 
just so that you believe me that you know that I didn't just see like some kind of black gay guy and decided to pull him over. I want to show you what's going on. But at the same time, I knew there's something more to this case because he stopped at a green light. So why would he, why was he this scared that he wasn't moving at a green light, but maybe it was just that he's gay and black and he's acting the way he is. And then he's just honestly just scared of cops. And so I get him back to the back come to find out this dude's not gay at all um, and he turns around the vo- he turns around and he was like fuck you rah, 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 and just goes to beating on me because I had let all my guard down thinking that this guy was like crying and he was maybe some kind of like yeah you know it's just you don't think that some it's, it was like if you pulled over a, a librarian that was wearing library attire you, you don't expect this guy to, to automatically turn into some kind of hell's angel on you and he beat the fucking brakes off me in front of my mother shattered my back tooth I broke my arm he bit me now i got him i won the fight the only reason i won the fight is because he got tired he literally physically got tired of beating the shit out of me and then when he tried to get off me i heel hooked him brought him to the ground and got up on there and laid it on him but had he had not burned out oh dude I, I don't know where I would be right now. I, I don't know what his intentions were afterwards. So even somebody with a lot of combat experience and has a little bit of fighting experience at the time and was a very young run gunning cop, uh, gunning and running cop, you can still you can still get get caught up in and shit like this and get in way over your head because you it's not it's you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you're getting into. Um, this cop where he went wrong was you can't you can't walk up on everybody and just assume that they're going to respect your authority you're right in that case mr coltrane he probably would have been better off um keeping a a a much longer arms distance from this guy uses some control techniques the reason why i uh, I wanted to break this down with john when john brought it to me was because i really wanted to say the importance of just general basic combatives would have kept this cop a little bit safer having that arms length distance away from that guy you can't get so caught up in the suspects going to run from you that you um that you go lax on your own tactics that you know better you know to keep that distance that taser was good for like another 10 feet give it 10 feet before you pop that bad boy off circle around the truck before you light it off i'm not trying to monday morning quarterback i know there's a lot going on but um these are things that as a cop when you watch this i want you to play this scenario in your brain what happens when i pull somebody over like this what if we would have started that whole confrontation on the other side of the truck where's he going to run across the highway good let him go let's take the chance at frogger let him get smashed by a semi truck i'm down with that but if you move to the side of the traffic then he has everywhere to run so there are tactic te- te- techniques that you could use and wait for backup as mr coltrane was saying that if you went to the opposite side of the car there's not really any place he's going to run and maybe he gets back in the car and runs and that's okay you're good at that too but i think locking yourself into a combative situation um could have been really bad for the cop because he could have gotten killed so i think that that's something you need to war game as a younger cop or uh, even as experienced cop war game that in your brain play that scenario so that you don't catch yourself in that situation at the end of the day this cop won he won against a dirt bag and uh, it was a dirt bag doing dirt bag things and he got a dirt nap and i'm good with it at the end of that i think it's a justified shooting uh i like how they bring up that civilly they're going to be able to sue because he didn't uphold to um he didn't uphold the policy and that's how i know that uh, coltrane did his 
um, homework before he got into the chats because, like I said at the very beginning of the show, if you go back to those other YouTube videos, it's almost verbatim. He's speaking verbatim on what they said. And again, what they're saying is based on not a street comps perspective, but a law perspective of a, I'm trying to get a book deal perspective. I'm trying to get a speaking engagement. So I'm going to say what makes me look good in front of everybody. And we're not going to just paint the whole picture and tell the totality of what it's really like being a street cop. And Mr. Coltrane, I have to give it to you asking incredible questions. I would not have been able to break it down without the questions that you provided us today because you are what the general populace thinks about these cases. Like you really think that there is a policy violation here. You really think that this cop was just some kind of, you know, alpha wannabe. And I, 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 I hope that at the end of this, you can objectively see that he did make mistakes, but I don't think he I think it's fair to say there's not enough evidence that shows that this just one case makes this cop to be some kind of, you know, alpha, I treat everybody with disrespect and discontent and and I got my ass kicked for it. I don't think that was the case in this one. Um, I think there was a lot of indicators that this cop knew he was in for a violent altercation and uh, he was trying to prep himself for that violent altercation and, and, and he could have been a pussy. I could have just said, man, I'm going to fucking deal with this. Uh, uh. I did it. I said it in the book. When I threw the guy's keys out, the guy wanted to fight me. He was a drunk Chapo Mexican. I was like, I'm not doing this at four o'clock in the morning. Throw your keys in the woods and I'll let you walk. He threw his keys. I let him walk. Come to find out he uh, was wanted for attempted murder out of Charleston, South Carolina, and the truck was stolen. But because I didn't want to get it, I wasn't scared. I just didn't feel like fighting at that time. I had been in enough shit. And I had enough use of forces for the month that I already was behind on paperwork. And I just didn't want to fucking deal with it. And I was like, dude, fucking throw your keys only to find out that he was wanted for murder or attempted murder. And the truck was stolen. And I ended up getting in a whole bunch of trouble because I had this dude throw his keys out because I didn't run all the checks. See, cops make mistakes. We're human beings. And sometimes just shit happened. Was I a bad cop? Eh, probably. I wasn't the best. You know, it's, um, but, but it's I, not it's not fair to to call out on this case and say this guy made mistakes and then and then get all bothered about that. Like perfection isn't a standard for any one of us in any other job that we do. The people that are out there saying this cop made mistakes, like should we follow you around with a dash cam or a body cam while you do your job and make sure that you're not cutting corners, you're not making mistakes that you know why do we have an expectation of, of, of perfection from police officers? We have a very high standard because of the amount of power that they have, but you can't expect perfection from them all the time. This police officer, after the backup got there, uh, someone else checked the car. Uh, he, he has an absolute adrenaline dump. He can hardly even stand up straight. He sort of collapses on his hood. And then they start doing CPR on him. And this police officer who shot him, uh, you know, he says, you're not you're not going anywhere on me. He tries to do CPR on the guy to save his life. But I want to circle back to what the instance was right before he shot. So he's grappling with this guy. Right. And and it's it's life or death for both of them. But I tell you, for the suspect, he doesn't care about his own life. Uh, not in that moment, because what is he saying right before he gets shot? He's looking at this police officer in the eyes or right at his face. And he says, yeah, bitch. Yeah, he wants to hurt this police officer. He wants to murder him. There, that intent is right there in the fact that that's how he's talking right now. The cop can't even say anything. Cop can't give verbal commands, you know, take your hands off me, step away from me. That's because it's a life and death engagement. But this this suspect is saying, yeah, bitch, yeah. He's enjoying the power and control and violence that he's perpetrating on this police officer. And the officer knew right now if he doesn't throw me into traffic, he's going to choke me out. He's going to take my gun. He knew that that was the only way to get out of that engagement. And dude, I know cops that have personally been stabbed. Anytime I'm hand to hand with somebody, 
I was always thinking, fuck, I hope I don't get stabbed. Fuck, I hope I don't get stabbed. And I was all about controlling the hands and, and trying to figure out how to create distance because, dude, I've seen cops get stabbed and it's brutal and there's blood dropping all over the place and fats hanging out of their stomach. And I was like, dude, I seen it once and I was like, yo, that ain't going to be me. <laughs> I'm not walking around holding my guts into my stomach after fighting a dude. And so anytime I was going hands on, man, you don't, these characters are bad characters, man. And you see this shit when you're on the streets and it changes the way that you think of things. You haven't been in that fight, man. You haven't been in a scenario where you fought in somebody over a gun in their pants. Um, you haven't fought with somebody who said they had a gun in their pants and it happened to be a tinfoil wrapped peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Those are all true stories Come that you can read in my book. Um, you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, this cop was getting choked. This cop was going to die. This cop, this uh, 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 Coltrane, type in on your YouTube female that gets her face broken by a suspect on a traffic stop. She pulls the guy over. She doesn't know that he has warrants. He gets over top of her and, and she's been in surgeries for like 12 or 13 years now. She's been on like 60 minutes. She was in a coma. She choked on her own fucking teeth. He broke like almost every single bone. Just bah, 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 bah. Just crushed this one. It's in front of his own kid. Just bah, bah. It's a nightmarish video. It's one of those videos that nightmares would come of. I've got no problem with fucking killing a dude like this. You, you want to go that distance? Well, I mean go the distance man fuck around find out i got no problem with it uh it, you know that guy chose his fate that day nothing that this cop did um aside from shooting him led to his death this dude all the decisions that this guy this guy chose to go 100 miles an hour this guy chose to go 100 miles an hour past the cop this guy chose not to even tap the brakes when the cop lit him up this guy tried to, uh, th this guy chose to drive left of center uh left of the yellow uh, fog line in the the runners there he chose to uh whip over and and not comply at all he chose to take whatever drugs he chose to take. And then he chose to fight the cop. He chose to get tased. He chose to battle through the getting tased. I mean, it's, I, I, I can't, I can only go so far. This guy was a fucking nasty dude. He was a bad guy. Sucks that he learned that behavior in prison. He was in prison before he went to prison. This guy's had a life of violence, a history of violence. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Thank you, John, for helping break down this case. I am 39 minutes late to a meeting that I'm probably uh, I'm shit out of luck on at this point um, for myself. Jonathan Bates, make sure you go and check out all five shows a week. Share this out on the interwebs. John Coltrane, Junior Coltrane, please hit us up in the live chats. Join our private group on Facebook. We can continue these messages respectfully. Uh, again, I hope you don't feel like I was targeting you or, or I'm mad at you or I think you're dumb or ignorant. I, I think you bring a lot of good points. Um, I'm just here to, 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 to talk our side of the story and to kind of like help you um, at least give you a little bit more pieces of the puzzle. And then maybe you can see the, the entire the puzzle in its entirety and it might be a different perspective, you know, than you thought, maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. I don't know, but I, I can, I, uh, I encourage you to stick around, keep speaking your truths and we'll keep having the discussion. That's the only way that the play, the, the world becomes a better place until next time, guys, guns up, guns up, giddy up. Yep. Good night, America.